Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of The Adam Eisen Show. It's episode two of season two, and there's a ton of NFL to get into today. Two weeks of the preseason has officially passed, and with that, we are two weeks closer to the regular season kickoff on September 8th between the Los Angeles Rams and the Buffalo Bills. But before then, we still have a ton of predictions to make and storylines to dissect, so let's go ahead and dive into it. I'm starting today over in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. They've got a QB dilemma on their hands. They've got Kenny Pickett. They've got Mitchell Trubisky. Two guys, we don't know what we're going to get from. And four teams in this league total. There's four teams who don't know yet really are the QBs going to be. The Panthers, they've said they're going with Baker Mayfield. I still count that as up in the air. Sam Darnold could come in at any point this season. It's QB battle. Seattle, Pete Carroll said he has two number one guys on his hands in Geno Smith and Drew Locke. The New York Giants with Daniel Jones. You know, Daniel Jones. And the Steelers with Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Now, I've got nothing against Mitchell Trubisky, the MVP. He is a better, he is one of the better bridge quarterbacks in this league. He's a medium tier guy, and he's one of the better ones. But if I am the Pittsburgh Steelers, the historic organization that they are, you look at this season. The Bengals, they have Joe Burrow. The Ravens, they have Lamar. And the Browns, come week 13, are going to have Deshaun Watson. Why not give Kenny Pickett, a guy you don't know what he's going to do in the NFL, why not give Pickett 16 starts and figure out right away if you've got yourself a guy? You could go and start Mitchell Trubisky, but let's be honest here. Come next year... Deshaun Watson will be fully back, and there's going to be three great QBs in the AFC North. They're all going to be playing in that division, and the Steelers cannot be lacking with a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, a bridge quarterback. The Steelers, they need to figure out now what they want to do here. They get kind of a break this year with the mess that Cleveland is. Deshaun, he's going to be out 11 games, and then week 12 is their bye. If I were the GM, I would want to know what I have at the quarterback position. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a world-class organization, like I mentioned. They are dedicated to winning. They're like the Packers. They're like the Cowboys. They're dedicated to being on top and paying and doing whatever it takes. It runs from the owner all the way down to the practice squad. Also, let's think about this. Majority of guys, like Kyler Murray, for example, only got one year of starts in college and are very raw. Kenny Pickett has gotten three years of starting reps at the University of Pittsburgh and is still is going to be playing in the same stadium he was in in college. Hardly any draft picks, any quarterback draft picks, any draft picks in general, have more than one to two years of starting reps in college. And Kenny Pickett is a guy that's going to come in that has more than anybody else in a stadium he knows he's going to be beyond comfortable. He didn't even have to leave his town. Didn't have to move after the NFL draft. 
Let's just figure it out, guys. He's 24 years old with a ton of starts, knows the stadium, knows the crowd, knows the area. He is going to be one of the most comfortable rookie QBs that we've ever gotten to see. And you can't argue that. If he can't get it done now, then you don't have your guy. And the next year is a 5-6 to six QB first round draft class. Now that you found George Pickens at wide receiver, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't have a lot of holes on their roster. There's no holes on offense. There's no holes on defense. All they have to do is figure out that quarterback position, and they're battling for the AFC North crown with the Bengals, the Ravens, the Browns. He has so many advantages over other rookie quarterbacks. We've seen what Mitchell Trubisky is made out of. He's gotten his time. Most of these guys would have had to move across the country into a different climate with a different culture. Pickett is 24 with a ton of experience in the same place. Why not go let let it rip, see what happens this year? Switching on over, we're jumping to Dallas now with Dallas Cowboys. Now, it's obvious. I've been saying fire Mike McCarthy, get him out of town ever since the day they hired him. And I'm still standing by that, but I I won't hammer him as hard today, even though they have a serious penalty problem, and that comes down to your head coach. So I I went and looked at the top teams last year with the most penalties. Dallas was at the number one spot by an overwhelming amount. And then the next five, they were also good teams, don't get me wrong. Six out of the 11 top teams made the playoffs. Don't get me wrong here. You can be a good team and have plenty of penalties. So penalties aren't necessarily necessarily a bad thing. Like Lincoln Riley said the other day, some of the best college football teams ever had the most penalties ever. My problem here is when and where the Cowboys are receiving those penalties. Against two and when. Against two and when. The playoff game against the San Francisco 49ers last year, they melted down and had 14. The Thanksgiving game against... The Las Vegas Raiders, big game, everyone's watching, all the families are tuning in. They melted down and had another 14. Arizona Cardinals at the end of the year to decide playoff seeding for them could have been playing Arizona again the following week. They had 10. Big playoff games, Thanksgiving, big end of the year games is when the Cowboys have their penalties and that's what I have a problem with here. And it all goes back to Mike McCarthy, but again, not getting on McCarthy as much today. In a 1 o'clock game against Washington, they only had three. In a 1 o'clock game against the New York Giants, they had six. When the pressure is on and eyes are watching, they get sloppy and they get rough. It's what happens, which is often, and on the offensive side of the ball, they roll over. All teams melt down, even the Rams. If we recall, they almost blew a 20-something point lead to the Buccaneers in the divisional round. The whole playoffs, they were battling back the entire time. They had many meltdowns. But against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
when they blew that 20-something point lead. They only had four penalties. Dallas had 14 against San Francisco. Everyone throws a bad pick or gets beat over the top. I'm not asking Dallas to be perfect, but they can't have 14 penalties against big teams and big spotlights in the biggest games of the year. They melt down in crisis. The Dak slide game, when Dak slid in the playoff game to close the season in crisis, in a big moment, that's how they finish their year. Not buttoned up and clean, but sloppy and rough. Dallas shrinks in the heat, which is convenient considering they're in Texas. Switching on, there was a UFC fight this past weekend. And Rob Gronkowski was on doing an interview, and all of a sudden, Dana White pops in. Everybody's talking football, and we got an amazing clip out of this that was basically Dana White saying Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady to the Las Vegas Raiders was confirmed. Tom Brady was looking for houses. It was as done of a deal as you could get without words being signed to paper and it fell through because of one guy John Gruden it was talked about beforehand that this could have been a thing and I honestly didn't know what it was with all the stuff with Brady I feel like a lot of the stories that get written and the videos that come out with all the athletes it's journalists trying to strum up stuff get their name out there you never know what you can quite believe But my takeaway here is because I I truly believe we can believe this here. Dana White, reputable source. He's backed himself up since then. And Gronk was there to confirm it too. My takeaway here is Brady dodged a bullet. He dodged multiple bullets. John Gruden, as we know, was a complete catastrophe. The Raiders could not get him out of town quick enough. And things just keep getting worse for Gruden and his image as he's been out of town. The O-line is in shambles outside of the left tackle. The division has only gotten better, and the AFC is the most powerful we have ever seen it. How lopsided the two conferences are right now is insane. The Brady-Belichick divorce could be so much different today if Tom Brady decided to go to the Las Vegas Raiders. My second takeaway here is we have multiple moments where Tom is actively working and pulling strings behind the scenes. The public Tom Brady, how do we know him? Know him as a guy with emotions, a nice guy. He's politically correct, fun on social media, falls on the sword for the team. Tom's just a good guy. Everybody likes to be, everybody would like to be like Tom. But behind the scenes, Tom Brady, he's cutthroat. He only wants the best. He was flirting with the Miami Dolphins, a division rival, while he was with the New England Patriots. He called Derek Carr that mother effort, tampering with the Dolphins, blah, blah, blah. He's done it all. There's a public Tom who is a Mr. Dad, Mr. Brand, clean cut. And there's a private Tom who is football CEO, which is intense 
and if you get in your if you get in his way, you're gone. As a player and business guy, it's all about prep and being ahead of the game. He is always looking at his next step. He is making deals two to three years before he is even looking at making a move. He's a guy that's always ahead of it and always wants to be on top. Tom Brady's the ultimate competitor. Moving on to the next thing today. We're going down to Arizona. Arizona Cardinals. I don't have a lot to say about them other than I just can't get how damn noisy they are out of my head. It's like a fly that won't stop chirping. They're letting Kyler Murray make the play calls, and then Cliff Kingsbury's getting on the stand afterwards saying, oh, yeah, I wanted to humble him a little bit. They had a contract dispute with their star QB. They put a homework clause in it. They got Hollywood Brown this offseason, who, as we know, with Baltimore, he was a noisy wide receiver who we heard complain about not getting the targets he wants and things like that, which I always hate hearing from a wide receiver. The truly great guys know that when they aren't getting targets, it's because that their fellow wide receiver two, their fellow wide receiver three, they're the ones getting the targets. Because the great wide receivers, they're getting double teamed. And they're drawing other people away. Just like great defensive linemen. They're drawing a double team from the offensive linemen. Not to mention the last three years under Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, they have had mid-season meltdowns every single year. Those mid-season meltdowns have led the Cardinals to average 500 over the last three years. Don't get me wrong, they've gotten better, but they've also got a hell of a lot noisier. As I said last week, the NFC West is for the for the Rams is going to be a lot easier compared to last season, and there's a big competitor the Cardinals won't be able to keep off their hands each. Uh, they're not going to be able to keep the competition inside the locker room. They won't be able to keep their hands off each other's necks. Come week 10 of the year, as we know, weeks 10 through 18 will either make or break a football season for a team. Come week 10 of the year for the Cardinals, expect another midseason meltdown. And you guys will hear my division predictions later in this episode. Don't expect the Cardinals to be making the playoffs. They'll get lucky to squeeze in as a seven seed, and I'm debating about putting them in. We'll get there, though. Next topic today, I got an interesting thing heading up to New England. New England, Mac Jones, Bill Belichick. And the problem with success, everybody, is when you have so much of it, you naturally believe you are better than others. You get a big, you get a big head about things. You think your ideas are better. And the Patriots now, over the last two decades have had two dynasties. It's very believable that the Patriots are just smarter and better than everybody else. But now, Tom is succeeding on his own, and the Patriots are a 500 team since he's left. All these reports are coming out of training camp that Matt Jones and the offense are struggling. Now let's look at the guys under... Bill Belichick's coaching tree. 
which as we know, Bill Belichick's coaching tree, Bleacher Report did an awesome, or was it Bleacher Report or CBS? They did an awesome graphic. It's basically going to House of Dragons, the new show that just came out. And they showed the coaching tree for Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, and Kyle Shanahan. Guys, Bill Belichick had the worst coaching tree out of the three. The guys Bill has trained often don't work out. Especially on their, they don't work out on their own. A ton of failures. Not just a ton of failures. A ton of disasters. We go to Josh McDaniels, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, Charlie Wise, Bill O'Brien. All of them had one thing similar. Arrogance. All thought that they were better. That they had the best culture. They had the best plan. Thought they had a special eye for talents like McDaniels did with Tebow. Matt Patricia had to be told how to dress because he thought he could just get away with it. They all brought in this we are smarter than everybody else mentality. And now post Tom Brady, we are seeing this New England Brady is extremely self-aware and humble and kept the Patriots that way. Tom Brady was the glue that kept that organization together. Now what you have here is a 70-year-old defensive-minded head coach with two offensive coordinators, which don't get me wrong, Bill Belichick is one of the greatest to ever do it. But there is no one that can replace what Brady was. Brady completed Belichick's thoughts. And now with the success Bill has had, he believes his plan will work no matter what. But that's just simply not the case anymore. They are staying with defense while every other team in this league continues to move to offense. And to get worse, they're just getting worse with Matt Jones heading into his second year. Quarterbacks are supposed to take a jump going into their second year. Matt Jones isn't going to be able to compete with Buffalo once this year. He isn't Lamar Jackson. He isn't Patrick Mahomes. He isn't Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. He can't make these plays on his own. The Patriots receiving core the last two seasons ranks 25th in receptions, 26th in receiving yards, and 31st in touchdowns. They brought in Devontae Parker, but that's not going to solve anything. He is not a big separation guy. Matt Jones has limitations. He needs support and help like Burrow is getting in Cincinnati with the offensive line. It's the first time ever in the Bengals organization they're going out and getting help, but they're recognizing the talent they have. Justin Herbert. The Los Angeles Chargers. They're recognizing the talent they have. They went and beefed up their team this year. And the story out is Matt Jones is not comfortable, and how could you be? Two offensive coordinators who shouldn't be there, getting less support this year in one of the hardest jobs in the world. The Patriot way is no longer the way for the NFL, and they won't change it. The last NFL team I want to talk about today, you all know, couldn't ignore it, couldn't get away from it. Have to talk about the Green Bay Packers, my team, a little bit. Now, you all know. Wouldn't be a real addition without it. There's been quotes coming out this week, last week, from Rodgers and LaFleur about the wide receiving room, basically saying after Lazard, Cobb, 
Watkins. There's still a lot of learning to do among the rookie wide receivers. I'm here to tell you all, all the Packers fans, everybody out there, there's no reason to be worried. There's guys like these analysts, Colin Coward, they come out every year, say, oh, it's the downfall of the Packers year. They are not going to be able to do it again. Minnesota's the most talented team. They try and find a hole every year. The wide receivers, we got Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Big Dog Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon's coming back, and even Rodgers said it the other day. Got a damn good offense when certain people are in the huddle. And guys like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, they're only going to continue to do better. They're shining in practice. And let me remind you, it'll be a top three run game. We have two 1A running backs in this league. And it is going to be a top three defense. They All throughout last week, the New Orleans joint practice that they had, they were shutting down every wide receiver. The New Orleans offense could hardly move the ball all week. They're the only defense in the NFL without someone over 30. They're going to be lightning fast with less risk of getting injured. Obviously, I think the worry with every Packers fan is the special teams. I'm hopeful that Rich Busaka, the guy came over from the Raiders. He was the interim head coach for the Raiders last year and was the special teams guy beforehand. I'm hopeful he'll be able to get things figured out. There's been too many years of this in the row with special teams, so you got to think they'll get it this year. For all the Packers fans out there, you're about to hear my division predictions, but I'll go ahead and tell you right now, the NFC North will be the Packers' division this year, and as long as Rodgers at the helm, it'll stay their division. Now, moving on, the division predictions, I want to get them out before the season starts for any games get played. Half of the teams every year, everybody, half of the teams that made the playoffs last year will not make the playoffs this year. That's just facts. Seven of the 14 teams, they're not going to make the playoffs. The NFC, at least the division champs, I believe will say basically the same, except for one division, the NFC least. Starting off, with the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think, are the clear division choice here. The NFC South is extremely weak, possibly the worst in the NFL. Carolina doesn't know who their QB is. They say Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure if he'll be able to get it done. Atlanta is a joke as always, and the Saints are still figuring things out. I like Jameis Winston. Don't get me wrong. If Jameis Winston comes out and has the as good of a first few weeks as he did last year before he got injured, the Saints are going to be a wild card team this year. We just don't know how he'll perform yet. The NFC North, I just gave you all my Packers rant. The Green Bay Packers will win the North this year. Go check out last week's episode two to hear more about the North, more about the Minnesota Vikings. Some teams just can't ride the bike without training wheels, and that's exactly what Minnesota is. The NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles, same with the same with the NFC North and last week, did a big segment on the Philadelphia Eagles with the improvements they've made this offseason and with all my worries that Dallas has, the penalties, the head coach, 
I don't like Trayvon Diggs. Gives up way too much yardage. Philly will win this division with the improvements they made. A.J. Brown will help out their offense a ton. And the NFC West, like I said earlier with the Arizona Cardinals, they've it's only gotten easier for the Los Angeles Rams to win it. Arizona is going to be way too noisy. As we talked about, I'm not even sure if they're going to be able to squeak in as a wild card. So my four division winners for the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Los Angeles Rams. I'll go ahead and throw three wild cards out there for you. The Minnesota Vikings, they do have a talented roster. Like I said, seven teams have to make the playoffs that didn't last year. And the NFC is incredibly weak. So I got to pick someone. I may hate them, but I'll throw the Vikings in there. San Francisco 49ers, like the Minnesota Vikings, have an extremely talented roster. I know their QB situation is kind of up in the air with Trey Lance. But porn star Jimmy can always come riding in on a horse to save the day. And lastly, I hate doing this. Dallas is still talented. They're still a historical organization. And they're probably going to sneak in at the 7th seed just because how weak of a division the NFC least is. If not Dallas, I think it'll be New Orleans, but we'll see what happens there. Transitioning over to the AFC. It is a much tougher time to predict. Like I said, the AFC is possibly the strongest we have ever seen it. And starting with the AFC South, Tennessee this offseason... For me, they did nothing other than get worse. They traded away A.J. Brown, didn't fill the They got Allen Robinson, they, but they didn't draft the guys they needed to. And I just have a feeling Tennessee's going to take a slump, and Matt Ryan, Matty Ice is going to lead the Indianapolis Colts as one of those seven teams to come in and make the playoffs this year. If we remember last year, the Colts had top three defense, top three run game, which is a recipe for a Super Bowl, and they folded in the final week against Jacksonville Jaguars, so they went out, potentially found themselves a better quarterback who's getting paid $40 million in dead cap by the Atlanta Falcons. So, Indianapolis Colts, AFC South, Tennessee Titans, they're falling back down the ladder this year. Transitioning over to the AFC North, uh, I have trouble here, like I was mentioning earlier, the amount of talent that the AFC North has, and to see the Bengals go with back-to-back success in the last two seasons, how young they are, it's hard to believe that it could happen, and part of me really wants to pick Baltimore to win this division, but I don't think Baltimore has the talent, and the Bengals entire roster has so many position groups that are the best in the NFL. They have the best receivers in the NFL, in my opinion. I struggle with this pick, but I gotta stick. The Cincinnati Bengals will win the AFC North this year. The AFC East, I don't think it's much of a debate. The Buffalo Bills, I think, will run through this division and it'll stay their division for another couple years. Miami is getting better, but I don't think they're much of a real concern yet. In the last division, the hardest division in all of football, the entire time I've planning this episode, I honestly couldn't decide what to pick. The AFC West, and what I decided to do with the AFC West is leave it the Kansas City Chiefs crown until it is no longer. The Chiefs have given us no reason to doubt them. 
They got better this offseason. They're a team that is constantly on rotation. They traded away Tyreek Hill, brought in other guys. They're constantly looking for the next best thing. And until the Chiefs fall off the throne, I can't go knocking them off the throne. Now, the wild card teams, we all know the AFC West could very well have two wild card teams in here. They've got Denver, they've got Oakland, they've got the Chargers. At the moment, I have to put the Chargers at the top of those other teams, above Denver, above Oakland. The Chargers, just with the moves they made this offseason, getting Colonial Mack, they signed something like 13 players. Chargers made major moves, and after the letdown that was last season and Week 18 against the Las Vegas Raiders, they are not going to let that happen again. There's the Miami Dolphins. I think they're going to make the playoffs as a wildcard team with the additions they've made. Tyreek Hill, everybody's saying two is getting better, and I'm believing it. And the last team, actually, I'm just going to spit out a couple teams. The Baltimore Ravens, the Denver Broncos, the Oakland Raiders. Congratulations, any of you three could be there. I know that's kind of a cop-out way to do it, so if I had to pick, I would say the Baltimore Ravens just because they're not in the same division as the AFC West. It's the most logical pick. But I think Denver and Oakland have a more talented team than the Baltimore Ravens. And if games fall the way they will, they get tiebreakers, stuff like that, either one of them could slip in over the Baltimore Ravens. The last little topic I have for you all today, I just wanted to touch on LeBron James' massive deal he just signed. Two-year, $97.1 million. The man, he is still one of the best athletes in the world in his 19th season at 37 years of age. He is a player option for year two, too, so it has given the Lakers room to do something this upcoming offseason if they need to. He's not tying the Lakers down. He can restructure. He can leave. Jeannie Buss's number one priority is LeBron James being happen, being happy, and I'm sure you all can understand why. Going below 500, not making the playoffs, did not put a smile on LeBron's face, and she knows if LeBron James isn't winning, he's not going to be happy. It's not going to be good for the organization. And for everyone thinking this contract should put a smile on his face, He is already a billionaire. What LeBron cares about is winning a fifth championship, getting the points record, which will never be touched again, and then playing with his son, Bronny, which he said time and time again would be his biggest accomplishment and could potentially be his last season in the NBA. He deserved every dollar of this contract, and this segment is to do nothing else but appreciate what we're about to see. Year 19, season 19, 37 years of age. LeBron James is aging wide like five fine wine and deserves every penny of $97.1 million over the next two years to play the game of basketball. That's wild to say as it on, as a, it on its own, and it just proves how great LeBron is. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another edition of The Adam Eisen Show. I also want to say thank you for the overwhelming support on the first episode of Season 2. I know I was supposed to be back last Wednesday. Ended up getting run down with a cold. But I promise from here on out, we are on a weekly posting schedule 
every single Wednesday. There's a long way to go in the NFL season, so the episodes are only going to continue to get better. Be sure to subscribe not to miss out on a single one of them. Until next time, peace.